You're listening to Power Producers Shop Talk, where we are refining and redefining the sales game by equipping you with the tools you need to differentiate yourself in the marketplace. Well, it's like when we audit the mod with Mod Advisor and are able to give them the action items that they're going to use to lower their total cost of risk. Tactical skills that will help you provide deliverable value to your clients and prospects. It's going to be a great year in 2022 at Florida Risk Partners now that IPFS is in the game with their total pay strategy, we can write excess and surplus lines and completely remove the agency bill from our agency. People, if you're not using total pay by IPFS, you're definitely leaving money on the table. And action items that you can provide to take your prospects and clients to the next level. Having partners like Mineral only bolsters the fact that your clients do not care about the insurance. It's all of the value that you're able to add. And with partners like Mineral, who can help with both HR and environmental health and safety, we can't help but win. This is Power Producers Shop Talk. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? What's up, everybody? Welcome to Power Producers Shop Talk, which I swear to all things holy. Dude, it feels like it's been a year since we've recorded a shop talk together. Long time. I've been trying to cobble this bitch together and hold it hold it as hard as best (laughs) I can, but I'm running out of stuff, man. And you know, you need to quit having kids or you're gonna catch up with me. Well, yeah, exactly. That was a topic that has been discussed recently. More shop talk equals less kids. You can't can't have time for <laughs> making babies if you're shop talking with your buddies. Exactly right. Um, yeah, and somehow Elise is stuck on having. Uh, yeah, well, yes, and she won't admit that. She said, "No, I just want three kids." No, you're lying. It's- Give you a few pointers off here. There's a gentleman who had his little girl as number four. I obviously knew the technique. For the males that were, we've had this discussion. <laughs> I've given that advice to numerous people, and it's worked every time. So that's all I'm going to tell you. So, <laughs> and please don't light up my inbox asking people. I'm not telling you. <laughs> Personal. We shouldn't even be talking about it on a podcast. Anyhow, you know one of the things I think is interesting right now with being in our industry is just the general number of people that are from different generations. Like we're dealing with multiple generations of insurance buyers. And I don't know that I've really heard very many people talk about this. And in fact, until I started looking, looking around to figure out what we were going to talk about for shop talk, I didn't even know about some of these generations. So before we get too far into it, I'm going to just list them out and then we can sort of go, down the line about general ways to deal with people from these different generations that'll help you in sales. So the first one is the silent generation, uh, born 1928 to 1945. Okay. Probably because they're all dead. I mean, yeah. I mean, that was very tasteless, but seriously, like probably not very many of those people around and, 
I don't want to give too much comment before we get to the end of the list of generations, but also probably the most difficult conversations for me to have with the old silent generation because they don't understand why their insurance is going up. Mm-hmm. I drove past someone presumably from the silent generation <laughs> on the top shelf of the Crosstown Expressway. I was headed east. They were headed west. Big problem here. The top shelf is only one way. And yeah. East was the correct way. Yeah. So when the silent generation has some questions about why their insurance might be increasing, <laughs> you know, as they get further and further past 80. Look no further than the crosstown. That's it. It's 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 literally just the fact that really old people tend to get rated like really young people. Um, you know, I'm not saying it's fair. I'm just saying evidence in my personal life points to the fact it makes sense, considering I was nearly involved in a head-on collision with a member of the silent generation on a one-way road. Next one's Baby Boomers, 1946 to 1964. Generation X, which would t- uh, technically be my generation, was 1965 to 1980. Hmm. Now, it's interesting to me. We're three generations in. We got 28 to 45, which is a 17-year spread. We've got 46 to 64, which is an 18-year spread. Then we get to Generation X, and it's only 15 years for that one. So huh. I'm interested in the, the breakout. And, and, who, and who's making up these generations anyways? Like, Well, it's chat GPT in my case, but I'm going to go with it. Um, yeah. m- millennials are, uh, or yeah, millennials are next. They're 81 the to 96. Worst. And then generation Z mm. is ni- 97 to 2012. Mm. And the only reason we cut off there is because anybody born after 2012 has not got an opinion or thought process around insurance and risk management. Anyhow. So let's go <laughs> back to the top silent generation. Mm-hmm. Three bullet points under Why are that. they called that? I don't know if it's because it's when, uh, you know, there weren't a lot of TVs and stuff, and maybe the mo- there was the silent movies, and I don't know. I mean, tell you what I can do, though. Better, better guess talking, than I have. I, I can uh, type out and say, why is it called the silent generation? And it'll tell me. But things that the silent generation that it talks about is trust in institutions is the first bullet point. This generation typically places a high degree of trust in institutions, including insurance companies. Mm. These are the people that still pay their bill by check. Guaranteed. Mm -hmm. What are you doing, Granny? I'm just paying my bills for the month. Right. Okay. When will you be done? Eh, About 2.30. (laughs) Granny, it's 10. Yeah, I got a lot of checks I got to write today. But they, they feel comfortable checks. with that. They they like the big buildings. You know, I would imagine that those people probably are only using larger banks that seem to be more stable. Oh, for sure. And they go in every week. Yep. Well, you know, actually, great segue. Face-to-face interaction, number two. Number two bullet point. There you go. They value personal relationships with their insurance agents and prefer face-to-face interactions over digital ones. No Zoom mm-hmm. in the silent generation. No. Really got to tighten up that mime game if you're going to Zoom with that. <laughs> the other one is, in, in number three, is risk aversion. Having lived through the Great Depression in World War II, 
they tend to be risk averse. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. And I think that evidence corroborates that. I was going to say, so far, all of this adds up. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like when we have had personal lines leads come in for elderly people, they typically have good limits. Most of the time, an umbrella, they they want the insurance, you know, and, and honestly, many times aren't willing to take a higher deductible. Like they want that 250 or $500 deductible, probably because yeah. they're living on a fixed income. Number one mm-hmm. objection in door-to-door sales, by the way, when you're dealing with the old silent generation. Oh, I sure would like those Cutco's, but I'm on a fixed income. <laughs> Guaranteed. I heard it all the time when I sold satellite. Yeah. The silent generation refers to people born between approximately 1928 and 1945. The name has its roots in the societal expectations and conditions. Expectations. This generation was raised with the adage children should be seen and not heard. They were often taught to avoid making waves or drawing too much attention to themselves. This emphasis on caution and conformity in behavior led them to being labeled as silent. Major events. The silent generation grew up during some pivotal times, including the Great Depression and World War II. Such major events required sacrifice, resilience, and at times restraint in expression. Reinforcing the silent label, many from this generation served in World War II, Korea, and early Vietnam, but unlike the generations before and after them, they did not lead in a war or experience the tumult of the Vietnam-era draft. Lack of notable rebellion in comparison to the GI generation before them. Mm, They're definitely gone, by the way. That's why they didn't show up in my query. Yeah. And the baby boomers after the silent generation didn't have a significant defining youth movement or rebellion. They were sandwiched between the assertive GI generation and the rebellious baby boomers, making their quiet nature even more noticeable. And last but not least, economic and political climate. The silent generation reached their prime working years during the 50s and 60s, a period marked by McCarthyism and the Red Scare. Speaking out or challenging the status quo during this time could have serious repercussions leading many to remain quiet and avoid confrontation. While the name silent generation might imply passivity, it's worth noting that many individuals from this generation were far from silent in their actions, contributions, or values. They made significant contributions to society and have exhibited strength, resilience, and adaptability in the face of tremendous challenges. Interesting, man. And I'll tell yeah. you, it it, it, it is it, it's crazy as it sounds. It's interesting just to kind of hear why that name exists and where it came from. And it solidifies a lot of how these people act when you really do encounter them on this, you know, on the streets. My I, uncle used to always tell my cousins, be seen and not heard, be seen and not great, heard. My great grandmother. Yeah, my great grandmother, I mean, identical to that description. She was not a risk taker. She she wanted the insurance. She wanted the low deductible. Definitely seen and not heard. Like all of that was a hundred percent. But I mean, he's only fifty or whatever. My cousins are younger than I am, so it was always. But he was hearing it when he was a kid from Pro- them. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Guaranteed. <laughs> Children should be seen and not heard. Guaranteed. <laughs> Doug Benz has said that at least ten <laughs> times today with his six kids. 
Then we got the baby boomers. Enough, yeah, yeah, that'll be enough of that, Jack. Uh, <laughs> baby boomers, 1946 to 1964. <sighs> Value security. After experiencing periods of economic growth and then market crashes, they often prioritize security and see insurance as essential. This yeah. is... When was the big cat born? Is he a boomer or yeah. is he a oh, little yeah. bit later than 59. that? Got a boy. Yeah. Loyal to providers. They're more likely to stick with an insurance provider for longer periods, valuing the relationship. Skeptical mm-hmm. of digital. While many have embraced <laughs> digital tools, there's still some skepticism about managing insurance policies solely online. Yeah. Big cat technically savvy. No, no, um, <laughs> no. That's why I've been laughing at this because it's just like totally describing him. Oh, my my parents as well. My mother yeah. is still on her AOL email that she's had for twenty five years, at least tens, if not hundreds, of thousands of emails in the inbox. Don't want to delete anything. Never know if you're going to need it. He's a little bit better these days. Like he'll he'll scroll through social media and be like showing me videos and stuff. But yeah, man, like when when we uh, when COVID first started happening and he had to get on Zooms and everything, he was just constantly bitching about it. It was amazing. No way that guy's microphone and speakers were set up right. No way. <laughs> Sorry, I was muted. I'm trying to figure out how to share my screen. I, I hate this thing. Yeah, guaranteed. <laughs> guaranteed but also fairly accurate i i do feel like we still have a decent number of boomers that that we deal with but in reality probably not as many as a lot of the agencies that are heavy in personal lines because oh, majority of the yeah. baby boomers are, are not working they're they're at retirement age or or getting very very close to it at this point right what was it 46 to 1946 to 64 so i mean yeah. there's still some that are going to be in their early 60s but yeah, they're pretty yeah, much on the, on the glide path. Mm-hmm. Yep. Generation X, 1965 to 1980. Balancing digital with personal, comfortable with technology, but also value human interactions, especially for complex insurance decisions. Risk okay. awareness. Having grown up in an area of economic downturns and global crises, they're conscious of risks and the need for protection. I feel like all three of these have been growing up in economic downturns and global crises. Yeah. It's been a bullet point for, for everyone so far. And then the last one for them is focus on the family. As many are in their prime family raising years, insurance products tailored to family protection, like life insurance or health policies are vital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I don't know point. that all my buddies really worry about insurance that much, man. If they did, they'd be calling no. me a lot more. Well, <laughs> yeah, but I agree with the age range of trying to um, have products that are going to, you know, help out their family in the event, you know, like life insurance and, and whatever, making sure that they're taking care. that that lines up, whether or not your friends reach out to you. I, I don't know. I don't I don't really have any, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah, OK, I realized that after I said it, um, you know, but the other thing, too, is I've noticed that is these go further and further, you know, closer and closer to where we're at today, that more and more of these people, like it, it, it's, it's becoming less and less about their 
buy-in for insurance. It's like you get the silent generation, they're buying before you even ever tell them what it is. They love insurance. Now we're at Generation X and it's like they understand the need. I feel like Wallace is is actually the silent, silent generation. generation. That yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I I could literally deplane in Cancun for a long weekend and still have to worry <laughs> as to whether or not that guy would be running across the tarmac asking me to give him one more <laughs> policy. He just doesn't have enough. God love him. <laughs> I've never seen somebody so proactively interested in their insurance program. It's the best. I'm so thankful he's a client. A hundred percent. Millennials are eighty-one to ninety-six. Demand digital. <clears throat> They yeah. prefer managing their insurance policies online using apps or portals. Mm-hmm. Skeptical of traditional institutions. They often question if traditional insurance offers good value. They may explore alternatives. Oof, there's four. Four bullets for your generation, my man. Experience over assets. With a trend toward valuing experiences over owning assets, they might prioritize travel insurance over homeowners, for example. Hmm. Feel like that's an interesting thought process. Yeah. Also feel it's a bit of a stretch. Yeah. Health, I feel, health I feel, and wellness. With a focus on proactive health and wellness, they may be interested in insurance products that reward healthy behaviors. That I do agree with, and I've seen yeah. that a lot. Yeah, it's been interesting, man. Is wearables have uh, increased in popularity? That's changed a lot um, mm-hmm. in terms of the how health insurance works. A lot of it is rewarding people for getting mm-hmm. their steps in, doing a certain number of workouts, and especially with regard to um, the high deductible plans or the self insurance plans, right. That's a big deal because I know that was something that we talked about a bunch. I mean, I don't know when that started becoming more mainstream, but I remember talking about it quite a bit. Like when I was first starting to get into, uh, you know, going out and getting on calls and everything. Um, and when we would get the, you know, some of our benefits advisors involved, we, there was definitely some plans, but I, I feel like I haven't, um, I feel like I feel like I haven't really heard about that a whole lot lately. I think people just have them. Like people have, you know, Apple Watches and you know Fitbits or whatever. I don't even do they even make those anymore. I, I have no idea. Agree with what you're saying, and I don't even know if they. I don't know if they make Fitbits anymore because I feel like at this point everything is mm-hmm. got so much onto. Uh, the Apple watches and right. stuff that, you know, why? Well, I mean, look, the time you met me for lunch at the Cheesecake Factory in Brandon about seven years ago, the second time you ever met me, I rolled up wearing a watch and a Fitbit and you immediately Roasted. called me out for dual smartwatches. So <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. I think that, that, that is highly likely that that's the case that, that they don't people. I don't think people are wearing them. I don't think a lot of people wear traditional watches anymore too. That's the other thing, you know, it's you do. And, yeah, and I, I do. Yeah, I do sometimes, but in, in reality, like in reality, I do, I, I kind of force myself to do it. I wear my Apple watch way more than I would wear. Like I would, I wear my, try to wear my Apple watch every day, but it goes back to the fact my fitness trackers <laughs> on there. 
yeah, I could but wear then my you Apple also- Watch on my other wrist and yeah. wear a regular watch, but that would be even more ridiculous than wearing just, an Apple watch on one wrist and a Fitbit on the other. It's just egregious, but you also can't be like rolling up to a, to an event where you're, you know, wearing a jacket or a suit and have your Apple watch on. You look like a freaking spy kid. It's ridiculous. Right. Yeah. I'm with you, but I do think that's interesting. Let me ask you this, since it's your generation, do you prefer managing your insurance policies online using apps or portals or do you? Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't have anything that's like super, con- I mean, we have a house, home, you know, homeowner's policy and I have a good understanding of the auto, I would say is the only, I feel like more things come up with the auto where sometimes you need to talk with somebody about it and, you know, whether or not you talk with them over the phone or go see them in person, is it? different story, but it seems like people have more questions around that. And it's also the most likely like claims situation. So sometimes that digitally can be um, like, you might have to have a little bit of interaction on that, but yeah, I mean, like my life insurance stuff is just online, whatever. I don't even think about that, which is kind of how it should be. But yeah, I would say I agree with that statement. I'm going to go ahead and throw this in there just because I think it's probably accurate for a certain subset of my uh, generation. I don't know. I don't know that I'm as into, I think I'm still stuck on doing stuff on websites as opposed to apps. Oh, are you talking about between a website versus an app or just like... I'm just talking... No, I'm, I'm saying that in general for me. Yeah. You know, if that were to say that about Generation X, I'm saying I use a mobile app occasionally to get something done. But most of the time, because I'm at my computer, I'm not going to stop and pick up my phone. I'll agree with that. App. I agree I'm with gonna, that for sure. I'm going to go use a I website. Unless it's... In the, and even if I'm on my phone, a lot of times I'll do the website as long as it's a mobily responsive site, because a lot of the times the apps redirect to it anyhow, but Mm -hmm. it's just, I don't know. I'm a creature habit and that's one of my habits. And then the last one it has on here is generation Z. They're digital natives expect seamless online experiences and quick responses, Mm -hmm. value personalization, look for tailored insurance products that fit their unique needs, socially conscious, Interested in companies that have a strong ethical stance and might prioritize insurance with strong environmental, social, and governance credentials, ESG, something we hear a lot about right now, gig economy, and new job formats. With changing work norms, they might be more interested in short-term insurance products or policies that cater to freelancers. A couple things to talk about there, really. Um, I I do think, and we got into this when we were talking with Simon. Were you on the podcast with Simon Manwaring? Yes. Or was it yeah. was it just me? Couldn't imagine you missing a podcast with an Australian on it. So yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, but with regard to um, what we talked about with Simon, it, it, mm-hmm. there is a huge emphasis on ESG right now, and you know you see that companies are having to consciously figure out what their position's going to be, how they can make it public, and how they're going to get that into other people's hands and minds to understand, you know, what that position is. I never really thought about it that much. You mm-hmm. know, I, I hate to say it, but I'm not, if I need gas, I'm not going to stop. And go I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest, man. I don't give a shit. I don't. 
I yeah, I think that everybody has a responsibility to be a good corporate citizen and I'll take that at face value. I don't have time to research every no. place all your dollars are going and all of that stuff. Right. Take that on the flip side. I have friends that are freakish about it. Like they they'll re- nope, not going to do it because the CEO of that company in 6th grade in 1977, mm-hmm. you know, argued with Ms. McGillicuddy, their third grade teacher about the melting of the polar ice caps. Like right. there, there are people who will like go to that length to find a reason not to do business with somebody. And to those people, yeah. all I have to say is get a job. Like right. I don't have Seriously. time for that. You know, unless I find out that human trafficking or like something major is happening with a brand right. that'll be all over the news. Anyhow. Yeah. There are some deal breakers for sure, but it's not like, you know, uh, Come on, people. Chipotle almost killed you five years ago and you're lined out the door every yeah. day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's the thing. So I understand. I, I think it's important, though, because you and I both said it. It's not like something that's high on my list. It's not like that's immediately what I'm going to think of. But if the people who are going to be buying from us in the future think that way, we need to understand how our conversations should be framed because mm-hmm. we could get ourselves kicked out of opportunities otherwise. Yeah, that's a fair point. So here's the question. Million dollar question. Who's your favorite generation to deal with? Mm. Um, man. So it's definitely not mine and it is definitely not, uh, what was it? Gen Z, the one that we were just talking about? Is that what they are? Z or Y? Z. Not them. Um, I would say probably I would say probably yours, X, because I still have I'm able to uh find common ground in a lot of things. And um I I, I sort of relate more with some of the mindsets and bullet points you went over regarding gen x than even some of my own so that's mine i would agree i think for me um you're big you're a big silent gen guy i am i actually am man i i I like the older people i like and and the reason the reason why is i think that society in general has a lack of respect for for people as they age and you know even even me tongue in cheek talking about the the older lady driving the wrong way on the crosstown i mean that could have been a serious situation that yeah. could have cost her her life but the reality is you know i was i'm i'm fortunate in that i grew up around a lot of my grandparents um all four mm-hmm. of my grandparents were involved in my life pretty much all the way through high school, at least. And then now, now, now they've all passed away at this point, but you know, even my dad's mom, who actually, I don't think, I think my, my, my mom's mom passed away after my dad's mom, but my, my dad's mom, her whole family lived to, I mean, her parents were both over a hundred when they died. Yeah. And then, and she was in, she was in her low nineties, but for me, I honestly just enjoy the conversation and hearing their perspective on things because it's lost on so many people today. And as much as, is I joke don't have about patience today, well, that's a hundred percent it. And I'm one of them mm-hmm. a lot of the time, but 
Mm-hmm. You know, I, I do think that a lot of the times people will just discount an older person and not give them the the benefit of the conversation because they they lack patience, they lack empathy, any number of other things. Mm-hmm. But think about how much stuff has changed over the course of that person's lifetime, man. Yeah, I mean, no kidding. I look like back. I was born in yeah, I was born in nineteen seventy three. I turned fifty this year. And I think to myself, holy crap, look at all the things that have changed in the 50 years I was alive. And then I can go have a conversation with my grandmother and it's not even close. I mean, so much, all we're doing is fine tuning stuff that's pretty much already been invented. Yes, we're inventing new products, but the majority of those ideas are spawned from something else that already exists. I think that generation invented products to meet a need. And that's a big difference. We're, yeah. we're, we're, they're, they're inventing things to meet a need. We were, we're inventing things for convenience. Yeah, I agree. I uh, saw something really crazy earlier today that George Washington died in 1799 and the first dinosaur fossils were discovered in 1824. So he had no idea that dinosaurs ever even existed, which blew my mind. Wow. You know, isn't Here's that weird? Guy- that was the leader of the free world for the very first one. No clue that dinosaurs were even a thing. Just crushing him in dinosaur potpourri on Jeopardy. If it comes <laughs> up, it's dying. <laughs> hey, Blossom, I'll take dinosaur potpourri for 2000 in double Jeopardy, please. Uh, I agree. Uh, so well, there you have it. There you have it. That's the different generations, man. I think uh, that's an interesting thought process. And I know that we didn't really get into a whole bunch of insurance stuff, but I think that we did get into sales (laughs) psychology a bit by Mm -hmm. identifying with the different breaks in the generations and talking about how you can relate to them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it obviously it's only going to keep changing. So people have to get ahead of it and stay in tune with what's going on and not be reactionary as I think this industry has been for basically its entire existence. Yeah, I agree. Sweet. All right. Well, later, everybody. We'll catch you next time. See you. been listening to power producers shop talk you can follow us at the power producers podcast on facebook and instagram and if you want to take your game to the next level check out our commercial insurance training course at killingcommercial.com or visit amazon to pick up a copy of our international best-selling book the extra two minutes